This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Central Texas Life. Ann Harder here with you, and it is a joy for me to welcome to the show an internationally known power couple in the world <laughs> of classical music, composer Danny Howard, who is British, and her husband, Pablo Urbina, who was recently in Waco conducting Indeed. the Waco Symphony Orchestra as one of our four finalists for the conductor position. So it's just a delight to uh, have you back in Central Texas, Pablo. And your first visit here? First time in Texas, yes. <laughs> yeah, you can tell by your accent, accent. you're not from these parts. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> a, little, a little further east, yeah. maybe really further east, because you actually grew up in Hong Kong. Yes, I was born and raised in Hong Kong, spent the first 18 years of my life there, and absolutely loved it. It's still home. It, that is considered home yeah, for you? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. But you made your way to London. Yes. And the Royal College of Music, and to that's where there. you guys met. Yes. Yes, we met actually on, I think, the, the second or third day that we were there. We yeah. we were, well, uh, you know, the, the one that Danny's friends will tell you that uh, she went to live at the student dormitory, and I was a resident advisor there. So my sole responsibility was to make sure to take good care of all the Students that I think at Baylor they call them wingdings. <laughs> yes, exactly. So yeah. my job was to, to take care of um, the students, and um, yeah. and he will tell you that I make very good uh, uh, sure that I took good care of Danny, and, uh, and the Absolutely. rest is history. Yes. Uh, Eleven years later. Yeah. Well, but you're recently newlyweds, though. Yes, yes. this is correct. Which yeah, is so the 20th exciting. Of August. Thank you. So yeah. yeah, but you live in London, and as we are taping this, it is raining. Yes. In Waco, and yes. so we did that just so you would feel at exactly. home. Exactly. Thank you so much. Yes. The only difference <laughs> is, in these two days. no matter what, we're always glad when it rains. Really? <laughs> yes, yes, of course. True. Yeah. We we just need the rain all the time. Yeah. So. Yes, I hear that you've That's had some true. some bad droughts here, so it's, oh, it's good we, to have the rain. Yes. Yeah, we 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 like the rain when it happens, but uh, <laughs> so so glad you're here. Don't like traveling in it so much, no. but. <laughs> Danny, so I want to talk to you about your music. Uh, you will be having a work performed by the Fort Worth Symphony. Yes. And that is what brings you really to Texas. Absolutely. So I've got a concert on Saturday with the Fort Worth Symphony, and it's the U.S. premiere of one of my first pieces for symphony orchestra. So I wrote it seven years ago. Um, it was commissioned by Classic FM and the Royal Philharmonic Society. And yeah, it's so nice to see that it's being brought over to this side of the world. And they were so lovely. They invited me over um, and wanted me to be there for the rehearsals and concerts. So I can't wait. I'm driving there tonight. 
<laughs> Very good. And yeah. I know, you know, it's exciting, I'm sure, for musicians to perform uh, a new work, new yes. music. Absolutely. But but your work is, it's, well, explain how, <laughs> how, how your music, I mean, it sounds like classical music. It's not like weird yeah well I really care about audiences and I want my music to be accessible to wider audiences that's yeah. really my my goal I think there's a lot of amazing new music out there um, and depending on where you are it, you it can have a bad reputation um, often and I'd really love to be that sort of gateway into new music where people can hear something maybe slightly different but not too too unfamiliar that that puts them off so I, I'd I, that's my main goal with mm -hmm. music. So. And the name of this work? It's called Argentum. Argentum. Yes. And uh, again, it was a commissioned piece. Yes. And it had its actual premiere, what, at Royal Albert Hall, right? I think I saw it. It had its second performance at the Royal Albert Hall, but the world premiere with the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic. Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Liverpool. And it was on the day of Classic FM's 25th anniversary. So that's why the piece was called Argentum, because that's, we call it the silver anniversary, mm -hmm. and that's Latin for silver. So that's where the name came from. Well, you've been composing music for a long time. Yes. When you were a little girl, were you like, mm -hmm, come on, oh, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. when did you know yes. that this was a gift you had? Well, I, I think I started out actually not in the classical route. I wrote a lot of songs. You um, I loved writing songs. I started with drum kit um, and then piano and cello and taught myself guitar and really enjoyed playing in bands. And I think I didn't really know you could be a classical composer. I did. I just didn't think that was something you could be. But it was when I started changing my piano pieces and I remember my teacher Anne Grady said to me you know you can't why don't you just try writing your own you can't you can't do that to Mendelssohn you know because <laughs> I just changed you know a few a few bars um thinking that it should be something else or yeah, I would really like it better this way exactly and so she really encouraged me to write some music and I had a wonderful cello teacher that that opened my eyes to the world of classical music and introduced me to composers like Benjamin Britten who I fell in love with mm -hmm. and then yeah, when I found out that Benjamin Britten studied at the Royal College of Music, uh, that was sort of where I really That's wanted to I go. That's where I need to go, yeah. where I need to go. So. Well, pa Pablo, you <laughs> kind of have a similar passion for making classical music accessible. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, um, on your on your webpage, I saw a picture of you and John Williams. Yes. And a yes. friend thought that was Santa Claus, and you thought, this has got to change. <laughs> that, is, that is very true, <laughs> and, um, you know, I, I always grew up, I don't come from a musical family. My my mother loves music, very passionate about music, but she never really studied it, uh, even growing up. My dad is in the military, so my dad really um, has never really had much interest for classical music at all, and I really liked it. And the, the type of music that I grew up with was more sort of film music, that type of thing, John Williams, The Lord a of the Rings. Lush Rain. kind of... Yes, that's, that's what I grew up with. And, and mm -hmm. then, of course, when I started studying the French horn, which was my main instrument. It's an instrument that gets featured very heavily on, on film soundtracks. So mm -hmm. I started developing this passion for music, and I always think that film music and classical music, well, they're all, all on the same. And we've forgotten that great composers like Aaron Copland in this country, Sostakovich, uh, Prokofiev in Russia, they all did film soundtracks alongside the great works that we know that we know them uh, from today. And I don't understand why that suddenly has become a, a division 
between the two genres. So I like to to I like to listen to good music. I think that's what the, probably the word that you were going for earlier is that your your music sounds pleasant, is good, is accessible. Perhaps is a word that uh, composers don't tend to to love because it it means that everything else is in, inaccessible and actually it's just good music. So right. that's what I like to promote, and I think that music has a, a wonderful job and role to play in our society far more important than i think we we credited sometimes and that's what i what i like to promote yeah that's that's now we didn't talk about where you are originally from you're from spain correct okay. uh, born and raised i was actually born in the in the basque country basque mm-hmm. and uh, i was there until i was three and then i moved to pamplona which is obviously famous uh, have has been made famous by hemingway and the running of the bulls yeah you've never not done that or no. have i like my life too much and <laughs> never <laughs> never dared to do it i have friends that done it and i respect it very much and and i think it's a wonderful tradition that we've that we had for, for many many years but uh, yeah and then i moved i mean it's now been half of my life that i've spent abroad mm-hmm. away from home because mm-hmm. i'm 34 turning 35 this year i came to the states the first time when i was 17 very young and it's a big change and music you know, is one of the wonderful things music can take you all o- all over the world like it's now we're very lucky that we get to to travel across the world and <laughs> be in similar places with the rain and all and <laughs> wake up to, to London, but it's wonderful, you know, I, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Well, and in fact, it was the Rotary organization that kind of helped facilitate you going to San Diego. That is correct. The where Rotary you were club. studying as a teenager. Yes, and it all happened very quickly. I could have never guessed that my life was going to change drastically in a matter of three weeks. I yeah. went to San Diego for this summer festival with the San Diego Youth Symphony, organized by the Rotary Club, to whom I'm forever grateful and indebted to. And when I was there, the music director of the Youth Symphony said, we'd love for you to stay. And I said, well, there's a big change for it suddenly to, to happen so quickly. But they were, again, through the Rotary Club, they found me a very good scholarship to study in uh, Francis Parker, a brilliant school in San Diego. And they put me with a wonderful family that, to this day, they are sort of my adopted family. Yeah. Uh, well, I am their adopted kid, really. Um, they become me, my second family, and it was really beautiful. You know, when we married, like you said, on the 20th of August, and on the presidential table, we had Danny's parents, my parents, and then my mother's husband, and my host mother, which is like my mother. And for right. me, that was extremely She special. wasn't going to miss that wedding. Yeah. <laughs> no, she no. wasn't. The whole family was there. It was yeah. All, all of my host siblings is four yeah. of them. And yeah, it's wonderful. And very, very so I'm, I'm obviously very attached and connected to, to this country for many reasons. Um, mm-hmm. uh, well, we, we, we talk about the passion you have for music. And, and uh, you, in watching you conduct the Waco Symphony, I mean, you you really throw your whole body into it. And, and really, your mother saw something when you were a little kid and put you in dance. Yes, and I, I loved it, actually. I, I love dancing, and I still... Danny will tell you that that's one of the, the things that sort of caught her attention. I think it was <laughs> one, one of those Royal College of Music uh, parties early on, and we were <laughs> dancing. I think, oh, she saw me dancing. She, she will tell you this, or maybe <laughs> not. I don't know. And uh, yeah, so I've always liked it. And so I did ballet for four or five years and did you? really, really enjoyed it mm-hmm. until I started. I was a pretty chubby kid growing up and uh, it was around, I think, nine or ten that also started music. And that obviously takes in, in the Spanish system takes a lot of time. So you have to sort of choose your battles. And also I was starting to get a bit bigger. So it was not so easy to, to do ballet 
motion and, and movement. So I, I call it quits and I good, you know, I retired before I had even started, but um, enjoyed it very much. Well, and you have a, a very strong tie to Baylor in uh, your mentor, professor of uh, French horn, Christy Morrow. Absolutely. She was, in fact, the person that made me aware of the opening, that there was a conductor, uh, a search for music director mm-hmm. here at the Waco Symphony. Dr. Morel is... Um, Oh, it's great. I mean, we, we were just come. We just came from doing a master class with the horn students, and and I told them, you know, I I will try my very best to to be helpful to you, but I I've I owe a lot of my musicianship and my skills to Dr. Morel. So you might hear some of the same things <laughs> over and over, which is which is worth reiterating because there are important things to to learn as you are studying music, but. It's such a treat, you know, and now to spend time with her is, is always wonderful. She also came to the wedding with her family, which oh, yeah, very grateful to have her there. And yeah, it's become a, I'm very honored to call her my friend now as well as a, a mentor of mine to this day. I still confide in her and ask her for advice when, when needed. Very good. And I know she is more than happy <laughs> to uh, continue that mentor relationship. Uh, you're principal conductor for uh, a London-based orchestra uh, Vitae. Mm-hmm, correct. And uh, you're also on the board yes. of that, which is a, kind of a, it's just such a neat thing. You're mm-hmm. creating the music and you're making it come to life. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, we had this conversation. I mean, Danny can, can, can tell you more about it. I don't want to hug the microphone, but we had this conversation a few uh, years back. We were at the Cabrillo Music Festival in Santa Cruz. Mm-hmm. Danny had been there as a composer and I, I went the following year as one of the conductor students there. And that year it was uh, Leonard Slackin, the obviously very uh, steamed American conductor. And he came with uh, Cindy McTee, uh, his wife. His wife. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you, you tell what they, you, you can tell uh, and what, what they told us about this. You know, we, we were concerned about this working relationship, conductor, composer. Is it going to be, people are going to look at us funny because, you know, I... I like Danny's music very much, so I'm very lucky that I don't have to lie about, like you said, if it was music that was a bit <laughs> plonky plonky, as they said, you know. And she asked me, "What do you think about this piece?" Then I will have to. Be like, this Does this w- dress make me look fat? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's like no better never to answer three questions like that. But I'm very lucky that I love her music, and I think we we work very well professionally. So we've done that a fair amount over the years, and yeah. but. But it was always a concern. But I mean, learning is lacking. As, as they said it was a great, a great match. I mean, we didn't do it on purpose. When I met him, he was <laughs> studying French horn, Correct. wanting yeah. to do conducting, but not actually, certainly not being a conductor. So um, yeah, it's worked out really nicely because he has his thing. He does has a lot of concerts, you know, all over the place, and often not involving my music. And I have my own commissions with other orchestras. But then once in a while, we get to work together. And that's really, really lovely. So for example, for my debut album is with the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic. Um, he's he's conducting um, three out of five of the pieces one of the days, um, which was so wonderful to actually get to work with him because I can trust his musicianship. I can right. trust that I can be comfortable enough to say when I need something changed. Yeah, no, not, I didn't hear it quite that way. Exactly. <laughs> when I was writing. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and that you don't always find that. A lot of conductors are wonderful to work with. But, um, yeah, there's something really lovely about being able to be completely honest about yeah. all the things you'd like. Well, I, I just think it's it's remarkable, <laughs> and I'm thrilled. I truly am thrilled to get to talk to the two well, of it's you. It's a pleasure thank you. to be here. Like so this, I mean, I, I just think it's amazing. I had such a good time reading more about you. Of course, we had, have had more opportunities. Yes, we to did, visit. Yes. I feel like, oh, I, I know Pablo. <laughs> <laughs> but, Danny, the, you have written 
everything from an opera to something for a trombone, you know, and then something for a wine glass. You've got to tell me, explain to me about the, the wine thing. I must, I must say, this was, um, this was basically a bit of a passion project of mine that, that stemmed from during the first lockdown. Um, we were in Mallorca because Pablo was working with the Balearic Symphony and I got stuck there. You know, what a shame to get stuck in, in Mallorca. My, horrible thing. My yeah. flight yeah, back to places. London got cancelled and I was fortunate to be working on an incredible project, but I realised it was all that. And I, I had this thought of, I don't remember the last time I wrote a piece that wasn't for a commission specifically that was just, I want to write a piece of music, I'm going to write something. Mm -hmm. And this was playing on my mind for a while. And there was one night we'd just been, I think, watching a movie or something, having a glass of wine. And I finished the glass of wine and I just started moving my finger across the top. And <laughs> I'm sure we've all done it. And there's yes. that beautiful tone coming through on the wine glass. <laughs> and I just, in my head, something just played through. And I just heard, I heard a clarinet sort of line go over the top of this note. And I thought, you know what? That would be an amazing duet. And I and I kept thinking and I thought, I've, I've got so many friends that, Im incredible musicians that I have wanted to work with for a long time, but nothing's ever come up where I can specifically do something. And they've also often mentioned, we don't have much, many encore pieces mm -hmm. that are that are short, fast. And I thought, what an, what an interesting idea to do short, a series of encores for an instrument with wine glass. Um, and I was in Spain, so I called them the Vino Encores. Um, <laughs> and I've done four so far for oboe, clarinet, trumpet, and bassoon. And I hope to, I was hoping to continue at a faster rate, but things slowed. As soon as things opened up, um, I was involved with other projects. Too but busy. No, but it is my plan to, over time, cover all the instruments and, yeah, build a little of a bit of a series for fun. That was the idea. That's just creative, as yeah. I'll get out. <laughs> They've been performed quite a lot now, actually. And I'm I really, bet they have. I, I'm, it's really and so is it the lovely. stage manager that's emptying the well, wine glass? <laughs> I kind of thought it could be whoever you wanted. If you're doing a recital with a pianist, the pianist can do it. Yeah. If you're at a home concert, which is yeah. often the case, like yes. a beautiful, intimate gathering, and there's someone that plays the clarinet, you could get any person in there the audience, yeah. in the audience to do it, um, as long as you've tuned it before to the note it needs right. to be right. tuned to. Um, that's yeah, the that idea. would be tricky, yeah. It could, it could involve anyone you wanted, the audience or... Or a friend, or a parent, or a yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, I, I had to ask you about that when I saw. It. But do you have like a favorite work so far? Because you you have quite a body of work at a young age. I mean, yeah. I have to to say. I mean, you've really composed a lot of music. Yeah, I mean, well, it's what I studied. It's what my degree was in composition, uh -huh. and I think it was funny. As soon as I left. I think I started just writing a lot more than what I was, um, what I was used to writing. I'm not sure what what happened. I think it might have been a combination of the commissions that were coming in, or a confidence in in what I was able to do. That for some reason I was able to write a lot more. Um, in terms of favorite pieces, no, I, d I definitely don't have a favorite piece. It goes up and down um, from. Usually when I finish a piece, I then I then hate it and absolutely don't want to listen to it for a while. And then sometimes it stays that way. And other times I, I go back to thinking, oh, there was something about that piece, you know, I did enjoy. But I think one of the pieces I, I still like, um, rather than despise listening to, is my trombone concerto, um, which was an incredible... I felt really privileged to work with this trombonist, Peter Moore. He's um, principal of the London Symphony Orchestra and one of the best trombone players in the world, um, without a doubt. I don't think anyone would, would question that. Um, and that was a piece that 
yeah, I'm really still excited about and hoping hoping can have a US premiere at some point. I'm about to go to Sweden for the European premiere of the piece. So yeah, that's that's probably what I'm currently feeling proud of. Hi, this is Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers, and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music, and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun. Wine and vinyl. <laughs> so check us out on roguemedianetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Frozen, Frozen, heroes, gonna tell you about Frozen, Frozen, heroes, gonna tell you about. Hey, I'm Zach. And I'm Mike. And we have a fantastic new podcast to tell you about, Bros, Foes, and Heroes. It's the two of us looking into the world of comics, breaking down some characters that you may have never heard of. And some that are just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so Zach comes up with a character each time, and uh, I go into it just completely blind. I don't know who this person is or what their abilities are or anything. And, and basically, I guess we kind of go over their origin story and just some of the ridiculous stuff that maybe, especially Golden Age stuff. Oh, Golden yeah. Age stuff is always the best, and we will make sure to highlight all of the shenanigans and just absolute weirdness yeah. of everything. Yeah, that's right. So subscribe today and uh, follow us on Instagram at bros, bros, heroes. And if you don't, I know where you live. Not really, but please subscribe. <laughs> bros and, bros and heroes. Gonna tell you about bros and, bros and heroes. Gonna tell you about One Star Rewind, a new podcast about those dreaded one-star reviews that every business owner hates to receive, but yet every customer loves to read. During this podcast, we will peel back that one-star review to better understand how it happened, when it happened, and what the business owner is doing after receiving that one-star review. This podcast will be about love, hate, and laughter. On One Star Rewind, we will meet with real business owners 
who will tell their stories and how they do rely on reviews for their business. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or download us at roguemedianetwork.com. Please subscribe, but only rate and review for not a one-star review. Join us each time for a new review and a new story. And your work has been played, performed all over the world, um, and and you have worked literally all over the world, Pablo. Do you have, have a favorite place that you that you've conducted uh, that's, aside that's, from Waco? That's 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 like I was gonna say. That's like saying who you who you love more, mommy or daddy? It's yeah, uh, no, no, no. No, it's it's orchestra. But I'll tell you something. You know, if I have to be honest, sometimes you go to an orchestra and you really make up in your mind. We, we spend so much time, you know, years. It's not just contrary to maybe some normal traditional degrees or traditional professions where you start, you know, you go to, to college and you do four years and you're trying to figure out what you want to do and then you kind of go into your grad school and by that point you sort of know what you want to do and then, you know, if you are you go into uh, medicine then you, of course, have to do the, the medicine. It's the a long process. It's a long process. Yeah, yeah. But for us, it truly is a long process. We, like I said, I started, I was at age eight. and I was five five and and i'm 34 now and it feels like it's been a long time to to really and now of course everyone is oh it's so great you travel and, and it's wonderful to travel all over the world but it's such an effort and long process that you build it up in your head as you progress with better and better orchestras that every single experience is going to be wonderful and if i have to be honest it's not always the case yeah. so mm-hmm. i would be i would be very uh, silly of me to, to mention particular orchestras or want, obviously, but um, it, there's been moments in which I really was excited to work with an orchestra, and it's not Waco. With Waco, it was a very good, I promise. <laughs> I had a great time, and, and Danny kind of oh, yeah. te- attests mean, to it, that. Rave reviews yeah. of the concert. And, yeah. and I had a wonderful time, but, but Danny always says this, and he's very right. She can tell right away, after so many years, when it's going to be a great week or it's going to be an okay week because of the tone of my first conversation with her after that engagement, yeah, if she's not if she's not with me, sometimes we're very lucky we can travel together because Danny can work in a lot of places uh, with her computer or her manuscript paper, mm-hmm. but obviously or sometimes it's not possible. And then I call her and she says, "What was it? How was it? How was your first day?" And I, and sometimes it's great and I'm buzzing and you can tell in my yeah. tone of voice. And sometimes it's kind of like, well, you know, it was. Yeah. So it's it, it can it can vary. It's it's hard to pinpoint one. Specifically, and, o- and also it varies very much. It's what is fresh in your mind. So now I have fresh, obviously, uh, my my time with Waco a couple of weeks ago, three weeks, however long that. F- it feels like a long time because I've been in many countries since then. <laughs> yeah, you have been uh, busy. But uh, it's a wonderful. I, I really love the Spanish National Radio Orchestra. It's wonderful. But then working with the Royal Liverpool was fantastic. I'm going after this this quick trip. I'm going to Belfast to work for with the Ulster Orchestra for the first time on a BBC oh, wow. recording project, which is fantastic. And I'm really excited to to work with them for the first time because it's it's a bit like dating, you know. It's like dating for the <laughs> first time. Yeah. And every time, you know, it's it's very exciting. You don't know where you're being nervous. You don't know what's gonna happen. Is it gonna be like love at first sight, or is it gonna be like mm-hmm. hard work? But then in the end, positive. It's um, well, so folks understand that. 
when you when you have a performance, you really just have a few days, yes. literally, with professional musicians who already have the music and they're Correct. rehearsed and so forth. It's not like, you know, school or even college where they're working on a given piece of music weeks maybe for weeks. weeks. Yeah. Not not the case. You know, no. it's boom, you know. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like Danny often talks about this as a composer because she works on a piece for months sometimes you know this trombone concerto was what three four months three at months. least yeah three yeah. four months and then you suddenly have so little time because obviously often with an orchestra as well and i think this is wise when you're premiering a work by a contemporary composer so a, a living composer i think it's wise the first rehearsal not to have the composer there and this is something yeah. that i know danny's changed her her tune from the beginning where she wanted to be there i want to be there at the beginning yeah and I said, actually, I <laughs> give them give them a bit of time because yeah. they need work. They need to develop. So they spend even less time than I do. Sometimes it'll be what two rehearsals yeah. maximum, and you work so hard for this piece, and and it's, it feels like such a fleeting experience yeah. that it must yeah. be. I mean, I know that it's it's hard for you, especially if you don't have the most wonderful. You know, it's one of those. It's not one of those buzzing ones. Yeah. It depends. It depends on the orchestra, and I, I, I don't like going to the first rehearsal because they know they know they're gonna mistake make a mistake, and they know that they need to fix it, and so right. they just need that first rehearsal without you. I think you don't want to be there because it's not gonna sound right the first time. They don't want you to be there because they know they don't want you judging it based on this first run. Mm -hmm. um, but it is really magical to have what you've had in your in your mind in and your in your brain for so long. Yeah actually come through your ears is something it sounds silly but yeah it's really really special and then even more special to be in the audience for the performance to see because that's what you're writing it for the audience the players and the audience it's and not to see their response exactly and right. you just hope that you know there's a even if it's a very small number of people in the audience that it moves them in some way mm -hmm. that um that they haven't experienced before. That's that's yeah. the idea. At that point, all pressure is off of you. Yeah. All the pressure is exactly. on you. <laughs> exactly. And that's what you have to think. You think there's nothing I can do now, which can be great um, in some ways, but can also be quite scary because things can go wrong that are completely out of your control right. and you have yeah. no ability to change whether that goes right or wrong. But... You know, that's that's you part of life, and it's yeah, contemporary music. Exactly, it was to like exactly. That. <laughs> I I always tell Danny, you have to keep an open mind because sometimes, as it as it often happens, out of silly mistakes or unforeseen circumstances, great things happen. And I remember vividly, there was some um, an, an, an experience with Danny, which they were premiering a, a piece of of hers. I would say the orchestra or the play. So which <laughs> one? And everything was going great. And I remember vividly at the very end, there was a, a tubular note. Tubular bells. Yes. Which very you know, loud. <laughs> she knows which one <laughs> I'm going to talk about. There was a, the tubular bells, this very soft note, and the player just got it totally wrong. Oh. And I, I semi-turn off, which is like, yeah. it's not even close. It's, it's just kind of too oh. close. But, but I remember yeah. Danny had this horrifying face. It's like, oh my God, what just happened? Almost like the, the world was going to end. And I was just in there going... I like it. <laughs> he said, I prefer it. It's I the like end of the piece. Everything I'm preparing. A really loud wrong. I loved it. It, it was <laughs> I disagree Not on this Not a case one. of more cowbell. We yeah, don't need no. more cowbell. <laughs> so, yeah, on I that case, I disagreed because I, I would rather it be the note that I, I wrote. I think you have to keep an open mind. But and I agree. Sometimes surprises happen that you think that was not what I was expecting and actually it works better. And yes. occasionally that, in fact, in our recording session, there was <laughs> there was someone that came in two bars early and, and my initial reaction was, oh, that's wrong. 
But I kept listening and I thought, you know what? It works so well there. It's and okay. I, I love it. And I actually re- rewrote it. In the oh, did you really? Yes, I did because I thought, you know what? I, I prefer it. You the know, the beauty you. of editing. Yes. Speaking of which, I mean, yeah, I'm imagining Beethoven, you know, writing yeah. everything down. You know, <laughs> I'm sure you've got all kinds of fun programs and yeah. so forth that helps you. I mean, I, I do handwrite everything first. Do you? Um, now... I moved to the computer sooner than I used to. I used to have a lot more detailed sketches handwritten, but um, I like starting a piece handwritten because you've not got to put in all the information that you use. I use the Sibelius software. You've not got to decide everything about the time signature and exactly which instruments doubling what. You know, um, I, I find more freedom at the beginning to have that um, hand hand handwritten. Um, but yeah, then I've got a, a playback. I can listen back. I try not to all the time. Um, but you can listen back. But yeah, when I get stuck, I move back to manuscript paper because I think that um, I then look at what I've done, rewrite it out, see see it. I, there's something quite organic about handwriting. Mm-hmm. Something. Taking that eraser. So, exactly. <laughs> yes. Um, so I think I, I enjoy, yeah, moving between the two. But obviously nowadays we have to provide the musicians with it from the computer. We can't we can't yeah. give them parts that are handwritten. Right. So, right. Yeah. Very yeah. True. Mm-hmm. Oh, let's, I'm just I'm fascinated with the fascinated by the by the process and um, and just what you're able to bring to contemporary life through music. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I love something that you said. You you love being able to dedicate your life to making people feel some of the greatest emotions that humans can feel, and truly, music does that. Absolutely, and. Yeah, it's it's a privilege. I almost I almost feel like we have, with with what the, what is it, the go, the say goes in English with great uh, privilege or great power comes great great responsibility. Responsibility, yes. And yeah, it's I mean it sounds like that kind of thing that you find in a in a, in a one of those fortune cookies. But <laughs> but it's true. I do believe I do, I do believe it. It's it's a wonderful thing. There's a reason why when people are really down and we all, we've all been there, we're really down and we listen to something and lifts our hearts and suddenly we smile and we feel much better or we you don't the know. motivation. Yeah, we yeah. don't know what is happening and then you listen to something and then you have a nice cry and mm-hmm. and then... It can move you to tears. It can move sure. you. So I do believe classical music has that ability on a pure musical level. And of course, you, you mentioned my... I have very strong views about the role that because of that ability to to move emotions and to move people emotionally that in we have to have a great responsibility with what we do with in our community and how we transform the community through the activities of, of an orchestra in this case or or us as musicians but definitely it's, it's a beautiful thing and every time i get on the podium that's that's what i want to do i want yeah. to make sure that someone gets touch if it's uh, touch musically <laughs> i'm very wrong <laughs> and uh, i just i really i really look forward to that moment in which someone comes and says i really i mean it's, it's happened to you with your music and uh, and when when someone has come to you and said i really needed you know your music has mm-hmm. lifted my spirit yeah. or this come to me and said i was really now not having a great day and this concert has really put me in the yeah. right place of so thank you that for me means the world just like when a little a little young person comes in and said wow that was amazing mm-hmm. i'd yeah. never seen an orchestra before that for me is worth it even if oh, it's just one amen <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah. so yeah how that lucky are we so that true. how lucky are we that we really get to travel get the world like that. you said to, to do that 
So yeah. really it's, it's, yeah. it's quite yeah. a blessing, really. Well, I could talk to you for hours, but we need to wrap this up. <laughs> but I, I do love to end these little visits with a questionnaire it's similar to the one the late, great James Lipton would use on Inside the Actor's Studio. Yeah. And uh, I will ask you both, what is your favorite word? Ooh, you go first. Perseverance. Yeah. You have to think that one very hard. <laughs> That's all right. Uh, marinade. Really? It's, it's, uh, sorry. That's the first time, and I've asked this for a lot of people, but that's, that's a first. It's something, sorry. But I that's a good word. It's something, it's something that um, my composition teacher used to say about letting ideas marinate in your, in your brain, and I know we do it with food, and I don't know, it's the first thing I thought of, and, and I, I use it a lot day to day, and, and I like how ideas can evolve opinions can evolve over time from it marinating in your mind yeah sorry I, I, good <laughs> i love it i love it i, I can never never hear that you know that's where i mentioned it you, you'll find it funny we went when i was here three weeks ago we went to this wonderful restaurant and it, for the first time i had frog legs <laughs> and they were marinated so now the first thing when you said marinate <laughs> i just i thought frog legs and it was like <laughs> from waco. i would from waco would never ever in you my know, life as i say it tastes like chicken right it yeah. kind of did it was <laughs> yeah. but it was more marinated or anything else so yeah. uh. <laughs> more than marinate but what, what is your least favorite word oh Ooh. um mm. Mm. you go first <laughs> i asked I have to say my least favorite word. Hmm. Definitely moist. Moist. I have heard that before. Have you? Yeah. It's, it's not a nice word. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Cringe, actually. Cringe, yeah. Cringe. I, it, it's, yeah. yeah. What mm -hmm. turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? And you can't say music. No, of course. <laughs> Oh, you go first, Annie, this one. For me, experiences, people and places. Yeah. You know, every time I go somewhere, you know, even today going to the zoo, we had a lovely talk. You know, I'm, I'm Feeding the really inspired oh, by nature and, and encounters with humans and, you know, physical, visual places that I've seen. Mm -hmm. For me, probably improvement to, to know that I'm, whether it's improvement of the community, the society, of the music, anything that I feel that, is is going is 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 making something better as a result of it that really mm -hmm. excites me then what turns you off creatively or spiritually or emotionally ill intentions mm -hmm. you know bad comments that are intended with no other intention than to be bitter bitter bitterness which is another word mm, yeah. i really don't like yeah yeah um, I suppose I suppose the judgment. I I really believe in sort of you do you, you know, and it's and things aren't for everyone, and that's okay. And yeah. you know, find what you love and let other people enjoy what they love. And stay in your lane. Yeah. You always tell me, stay in yeah. your lane. Stay yeah. in your lane. Right. <coughs> okay, I'm gonna ask two musicians. What sound do you love the most? Oh, that one is this one is easy. Oh. Um, the sound I love the most is is strings tuning. Really? So mm. before before I go on a stage, really, I'm uh, sometimes I'm nervous depending on the, you know the, the responsibility, the degree. Like here, Waco, obviously had a wonderful time, but I was I'm aware that this is a process of selection. So you want to do a good job, you want to make sure the audience enjoys, and all these nerves sort of go away the moment that I hear, mm -hmm. which is actually quite an unpleasant sound for most people. It's kind of, <laughs> but I absolutely yeah. love it. I, I my happy place. <laughs> I think for me it would be the basketball swish. 
when you really? when you because I used to play a lot of basketball oh, and you, yeah. when you get it in the net without hitting the sides that's it, right we call it the swish and nothing yeah, but net exactly yeah. <laughs> I think that is definitely my yeah my favorite sound okay good then what's your <laughs> least favorite sound oh for me the, the thing I thought of that as soon as you asked your favorite sound was um the cracking of of anything in that I've heard one of my friends in warming up and their their ligament in the ankle cracked and I and I, I kill his tendon. Yeah, exactly. Oh. And it, it um haunts me. So that's probably my least it, it is a sound that you do not forget. Yes. Mm-hmm. What about For you? For me it'll have to be a very loud motorbike when they just rev really loud and it's hmm. not only unpleasant to the ear but also it's just Really? Yeah, I just <laughs> really don't don't okay. like it at all. <laughs> what other profession would you like to try or have liked to try? I think I would have gone down the basketball route, to be honest. Really? I, I, that was WNBA. Yeah, <laughs> well, I don't think I was tall enough, but um, in Hong Kong I was tall. Um, uh, yeah, that's but, probably true. <laughs> but I think, you know, internationally not so much. But um, That's yeah, great. Yeah, I think f- for me, really, I was never debating whether I'd be a musician. I think... It was what type of musician, and I think, yeah, I, I, there are other parts of composing I would have gone into, like maybe film or or something else. That, but I think it would it would still have to be a musician, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. I always thought if I didn't went down the musician route, which also became clear very quickly, I would have studied psychology and journalism. I, I love communication, communicating, and I love understanding people. And I think this is why I love conducting so much, because you actually need to have a fair amount of both of those uh, skills. For sure. But now, probably, if I wasn't a musician, I'd probably go into management. Okay. Some kind of musical management. Musical management. Yeah. Well, what job do you know you would not want to do? Accountant. <laughs> <laughs> I hate doing my accounts. <laughs> <I'm> self-employed. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Or... or, or law i struggle with it's not, it's not somebody's got to do it someone's got to do me. it but you know it's yeah. just i have it's not that i can't can't read it it's just i have zero interest <laughs> that legal um lingo for me personally um yeah. but i'm very grateful to those that that do that oh, obviously yeah. for me anything that involves booking Anything. Oh, flights or hotels or restaurants. Anything. Danny could tell you it's every time. I mean, I cannot stand it. It Really. Yeah. So being someone's PA would be the worst. (laughs) Yeah. Travel agent. Yes. Travel agent. Yeah. Anything like that. I absolutely just can't do it. (laughs) But I know you appreciate them. Yeah. Especially when they get Uh, it right. uh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one last question. What do you want to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? You go first. Oh, that's that's a beautiful question, actually. That is a lovely question. I welcome home. Mm. Yeah, I think something I heard was about you. You. <sighs> I'm trying. I'm trying to think of the whole quote. So, and I don't think I can remember it all. So, I'm, I won't say that. But. Yeah, I think welcome home would be beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Mm. These responses usually bring me to tears. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like, <laughs> so I was like, whoa. I know. Yes. I know. Yeah. Well, it has, it has just been a delight. Danny Howard and Pablo Urbina. Thank you so much. Two for um, just so amazing much. individuals in the world of classical music and so many fabulous things lie ahead for the two of you. 
Well, thank you so much for having thank us you. here. It's and been it's a pleasure. Been my first time in Texas has been absolutely brilliant. Well, so welcome, partner. We're <laughs> glad <laughs> to have you here. And we're glad you were with us as thank well. You. Please join us again next time for Central Texas Life. Bye-bye. Central Texas Life with Ann Harder is part of the Rogue Media family. Be sure to check out our other shows at roguemedianetwork.com. Please rate this show five stars on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Join us again soon for more Central Texas Life with Ann Harder.